Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 515 of the Juicebox podcast. In the 1987 NBA draft, the Cleveland Cavaliers chose Chris Dudley. He went on to play 16 seasons for a handful of teams and even made it to the NBA Finals once. He also has type 1 diabetes, and he runs a camp for kids with type 1 called the Chris Dudley Foundation. You can learn more about it at chrisdudley.org. Today, Chris and I are going to talk about a ton of stuff playing in the NBA, being diagnosed with type 1, playing in the NBA with type 1, what it was like to face Michael Jordan, his camp, and all of the other stuff that popped into my head while we were chatting. While you're listening to the show today, I'd love it if you could remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. The podcast is also sponsored by the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. I want you to go to dexcom.com forward slash juice box right now, where you can learn more about the Dexcom G6 and even get started. It'll be the best decision that you've ever made. My name is uh, Chris Dudley. From a diabetes perspective, I got diabetes in uh, 1981 when I was 16 years old. Played in the NBA for 16 years, and we started the foundation in uh, uh, the, the Chris Dudley Foundation for Kids with Diabetes uh, in uh, 1994. I've had 25 years of basketball camp for kids with uh, type 1 diabetes. I get kids from all over the country all over the world really we've had kids from uh, uh yeah globally and uh ages 10 through 16 boys and girls and uh and we've also done a lot of other outreach for for diabetes as as, as well can you think back to when you developed the basketball camp originally what made you do it yeah you know um so i so backing up, so uh, 1981, um, and really dating myself here, but uh, that's all right. Um, uh, you know, obviously diabetes was in a different different spot. It was it was tough, um, and when you got diagnosed with diabetes, it it was a you know. I, well, I tell the story that the, the first thing I asked the doctor is, "Am I going to live?" And by that, I didn't mean next week or whatever, but how, how long, what, what does this mean? Because at that time, uh, it meant a shortened lifespan. So it was, you know, it just rocked my world. And then it was, of course, would I still be able to play basketball? Um, and I, I got the affirmative on both, which, which wasn't always the case back then. Uh, sometimes they discouraged athletics activity because of the risk, um, 
of of getting low blood sugars. Mm -hmm. And so fortunately that was changing. That's when studies were coming out and saying activity was good for your overall uh, health, your blood control. Uh, seems obvious now, but at the time it, it was a uh, it was a concern. And so so anyway, fast forwarding, uh, go through high school, go through college, make it into the league. I was the first and only player to play at that time in the NBA with type one diabetes. And it, it was I was almost you almost didn't want to let anybody know I did, but. Um, yeah, I really wanted to establish myself as an NBA player and have diabetes kind of be an afterthought versus should we sign this guy? Cause we don't know if he can make it. Right. Um, once I had proved that, um, and, and more people became aware that I had in the, di in the diabetes community that I had diabetes, I'd get a lot of letters from kids or parents. How do you do it? Mm -hmm. How do you, what's your game day routine? What do you, what do you eat? What kind of insulin? How do you how do you play an activity with with having uh, uh, with while well, having diabetes? And so I'd always been asked about doing a and most pro players are about doing a basketball camp, getting involved with camp. And so my wife, my wife and I came up with the idea. Let's let's combine them and let's have a have a camp for um, for for kids with diabetes. And, and so the long winded answer is that uh, it was really the genesis was really the outreach from kids and parents asking, you know, and just realizing what a need there was for it. Right. Wait, at that time, so so you're diagnosed in high school. I imagine you're playing in high school. You go to college and play. Is it, are you just like using regular and MPH? Is you just kind of shooting insulin in the morning and in the evening and kind of eating on a schedule? Yeah, and I'm trying to remember. I think I started off doing that. And then at some point, pretty soon after, I I went to the multi shot a, a day, okay. where you're taking a shot before um, before every meal. And they call it for, now. You're getting basal insulin and meal meal time insulin. Yes. Call it. Did you test yeah. very frequently? I did. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes better than sometimes more than others. But with with playing with playing sports, you really I felt like I had to right. And, um, you know, on game days, I would test as many as 16 times okay. on a game day just to really have it dialed in. Right. And so did you, looking back, I'm assuming now you manage differently. You have a pump or are you still MDI? I do. So now I have the uh, 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 Omnipod. Mm -hmm. So I have the pump and then I have Dexcom. Dexcom. So. So now you have a real vision into what's happening. Like looking back, were you playing at an elevated blood sugar or do you not even know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I think I definitely was uh, because, you know, it, if you're playing, you know, practice is one thing, but a game's another. If you're playing in front of 20,000 people, you're, you're more worried about going low than you right. are going high. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so, so yeah, I definitely do. And I would, looking back, I would have loved to have had a Dexcom or something. I mean, I'd love pump too, but just to know what my blood sugar was doing would have been in bad. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so I, um, I asked my son, I was like, what should I ask Chris when I talked to him? And he was just like, well, you have to ask him what it's like to play against Michael Jordan at some point. And I was like, okay, I'll see if, uh, I'll see if he wants to talk about that, <laughs> but yeah, was, no, was, happy to. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but, but staying into the diabetes for a second longer, um, if you're elevated, like, 
do you think you were at a deficit? Yes. No kidding. I, I do. I, I think, uh, uh, you know, I took a lot of pride in, I never wanted to miss game because of diabetes. Right. I really never wanted diabetes to be an issue. And I, and I felt like, you know, right or wrong, I, I felt like an ob, almost an obligation for those in the community to show, you know, diabetes isn't going to prevent me from from playing yeah. and show that you can play in the NBA. And, and I felt like I established that early in my career where I had a couple of years where I, I think I played all 82 games or, um, and if I missed a game, it would, I never missed a game because of diabetes, but in doing so, um, I also know that there was times that I was either low, you know, borderline lows, um, or certainly it may be higher blood sugar. Um, and there were plenty of times, you know, I joke around with the kids that, you know, that I uh, never missed a game, but there were plenty of games where I had, I was running up and down the court, having drank three cans of apple juice or something to get my blood sugar up. Right. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't always easy. And I think it would have been a lot easier or better today to kind of be a little bit tighter control right. uh, with all the technology and, and not to mention, um, the speed of insulin increased in uh, in the nineties, right. and it keeps it keeps improving. But there was a rapid uh, when we went from uh, oh what from that regular to humalog or whatever. It really that it made a big difference. Everything. Yeah, it really helped. Did the coaches and players know? I mean, and by no, I mean. Were, did you play with some people who flat out didn't know you had diabetes? And did you play with people who knew but didn't pay any attention to it? Um, well, everybody would have known, I think. But there might have been some who, um, you know, just didn't pay attention. Or right. Whatever. Or wouldn't even understand, I would imagine, too. Yeah. I mean, right. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm testing my blood sugar in the locker room before we're going out. And so, I, I mean, it wasn't like so they would know that. The person who had to really know and be dialed in was the trainer, trainer. of course. Um, and with the coaches, uh, they knew, but I really didn't want them to have to think about it. Think about it. Yeah, you know, that wasn't there. That, that was on me and the trainer to, you know, to be ready when when your number's called. And the fear there is that if they feel like there's a weakness, then there's a reason to to put somebody else out there instead of you, whether it's diabetes yes. or anything, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Wow. That's a lot of pressure. How did you do that for 16 years? Well, yeah, you just get in a routine. I mean, it, it just becomes, becomes your, um, yeah, your, your kind of your way of life. Yeah. Um, and, and I think with the coaches and uh, let me differentiate, uh, in case we have any younger listeners or players is that a number one in the NBA, you have a full training staff. And so having that relationship with the trainer, takes that pressure off. If you're in high school or, uh, or younger or club basketball or whatever, the, your coach has to know and be very, very aware of it right? because there is no trainer. There's no intermediary. Yeah. It's, so, it's you and your parents. And, the, and, yeah, and that's yeah, pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. There still is that pressure. My daughter's going to be 17 this summer, but when she was younger, she played softball like fairly competitively, meaning that they were like a win or so away from going to the little league world series when she was 12. And she's only had one bad low while she was playing. And it was enough. She was at third base 
Uh, the inning ended, and she gestured to me, came through the dugout, and said, something's wrong. Like, that's all she said. And she had a low that was in the 30s and 40s. It took a while to come back up again. But when her at-bat rolled around, even at, like, back then, 10, 11, 12 years old, I think she felt pressured to go hit because she did not want anybody to think that this was going to stop her from doing that. And I don't, you know, I'll never get into her head as to why, but I watched her go hit with a blood sugar that was maybe only 70 and had just started coming up and she fought through it, but you could tell something was wrong with her. Yeah. Um, I wish she was a little older and, when that happened so I could talk to her about it. But, and you know, the thing that, and that's a great point in that, What's tough too is, is, as you know, with with diabetes, is you you get that low, and yes, you can recover, and your blood sugars back up to seventy and going higher, and getting to get to hundred, but you still don't feel right. Right. You know that the low blood sugar can throw off, and I've I've found that even exercise now that you know a kind of a giveaway for me that my blood sugar is going down or is my balance is off. Mm-hmm. I just don't have the same. I can just feel it physically. So it's uh, um, to your earlier question. Yes, you can, you can make it, you can play and, but, but there are, it does affect you. I don't know if you'll want to answer this, but is there ever a time where you're running down the court thinking I shouldn't be out here? Uh, yeah, there was times where I was like, I need a timeout. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody foul somebody. I just want to know that you fouled somebody one time to get a break. That's all. (laughs) Well, and you know, well, and the thing is, and, um, again, everybody has diabetes knows this is what's so hard about it with playing is, or can be difficult is that your body, you still have everything else that everybody else is going through, right? I mean, you, you, we play 82 games. There's times where you have a cold or you don't feel great or you didn't get a good night. So you, and it's hard sometimes to differentiate. All right, I, I feel off. Is my blood sugar? So when I say I want to time out, it's not always that something was bad. It's like I need to test to make sure because I was I didn't have that confidence that that I was uh, not that I was maybe going to. And sometimes you test and you're like. No, you're fine. Yeah. It just you just don't feel good. Because pe- people who don't have type one, when they feel off, their next thought isn't. I wonder if I have too much insulin. I'm about to pass out in front of thirty five thousand people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a uh, it's a good point. Um, and now, do you, would you mind if you know what were your A one Cs when you were playing? Do you have any idea? Uh, they weren't, they were sevens. Um, I tried to get below seven, but you know, and the A1C is, is great in a lot of ways, but the, the, and, and now we're talking about time and range, yeah. which I think is, is more important because with the A1C, I would have good A1C sometimes, but I might've been, you know, what 50 plus 180 is what you know i mean yeah. like, you could fool the test mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could fool the test by having a lot of lows and a lot of highs and seeing it bounce out i just know that that was the only way that they paid attention to it back then your yeah. your yeah. point is 100 percent right time and range uh less variability that really is a great measure of health um i was just wondering i mean but sevens were that was probably better than what the ada was asking for at that point yeah, no, I think so. And I, I, you know, I worked, I worked hard at it to try to keep it, um, you know, to stay in range. So um, when you're a professional athlete, it, it just, it, there's an inference that your body is just, it operates differently than some people's. So do you have to, back then, were you eating like 
they like the guys now like the guys now look like superheroes you, you know what i mean like you look yeah. like a tall man who was athletic when you played like the guys now look yeah. like they could grab you and throw you if they wanted to um did you eat more specifically or was it more like i don't know was it like cheeseburgers and basketball like what was the vibe Ah, uh, that's good question. You know, that was always a struggle with the uh, with the trainers and trying to get they they kind of had to balance that out where they would try to get good. It, it was kind of funny. They would try to get healthy food on the uh, when the planes when you're mm-hmm. when you're traveling or or the team meals, and then they found if it was too healthy, kind of like with our kids, uh, <laughs> if it's too healthy, nobody's going to eat it, and it kind of defeats the purpose. Right. So. Um, I was, you know, I was aware, but I don't think there was the emphasis that there is today on, on what you're eating. Right. Um, on a fine tuning uh, of what's going on. You know, and it's kind of funny. I mean, I played with some guys who, uh, they literally like could eat a hamburger before the game and go out and just kill it and, you know, kind of laugh about country strong and just, right. I mean, there were guys who were just tremendous athletes. It catches up with you later, but they were, <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't do what they did. Um, but, but just, I think that's where diabetes actually is. And that there are some uh, blessings on diabetes or some advantages. And one is you do get to know your body better. And yeah. I did go through the process of, all right, what, what does my body work better? What, what type of food does it work better with? Yeah. It just occurred to me that over the last couple of decades, as we understand nutrition better, that it doesn't just happen overnight, that there is a transition of talking generations into believing differently. And I watched my son's 21 now. He plays uh, college baseball. And right up until about a year and a half ago, he had that like, just here, I'll take a handful of this and that and you know, you're running out on the field with a donut in your mouth almost, you know, in between games. And now as he's getting into 21 years old, he's like, I don't think I should be eating this. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't think so either. And he doesn't have type one. My daughter does. Um, but it's just very interesting to see that happen. And in my mind, like, you know, you always, your, your head goes to ideas of, uh, you know, old baseball players playing, you know, with hangovers and stuff like that and, and being yeah. the best. All right. So um, I, I just have to ask you. Jordan, just the so much better at the time than everyone else, or it still stacks up today? It still stacks up today. He, to me, he's the best player ever. Gvoke Hypopen has no visible needle and is the first pre-mixed auto-injector of glucagon for very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes, ages 2 and above. Not only is Gvoke Hypopen simple to administer, but it's simple to learn more about. All you have to do is go to gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk. My daughter turned 17 years old yesterday. She got her driver's license. We gave her a cupcake. We went out to dinner. When she woke up this morning, she went to the beach with her brother and some friends. Just like most 17-year-olds, she slept in a little bit in the morning and got up with not quite enough time to eat before she went to the beach. She got in the car. They drove to the shore. They spent a few hours on the beach. And they came home. 
the entire time I could see Arden's blood sugar on my phone. Why is that? Well, it's because Arden's wearing the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. My wife and I could both see Arden's blood sugar on our iPhones. And if we had Android phones, we could see it there as well. Arden can share her numbers with up to 10 followers. And so can you. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. At one point, I sent Arden a text that said just this. Was that food? And what I was talking about was that I saw her blood sugar kind of go from 190 to 130. And she said no. And I said, hydrate and bolus. And she did. And that was that. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. The speed and direction of the blood sugar. Available at your fingertips on your iPhone, your Android, or you can use the Dexcom receiver. So if you're the person with type 1 and you don't want to look at it on your phone, you could use the receiver. Or you can use your cell phone. The apps are terrific. And sharing with other people is amazing. Seeing your blood sugar and the speed it's moving in, that's life-changing. Please take a second. Get started today with the Dexcom. You will not be sorry. If you're using insulin, seeing your blood sugar in real time is about the best thing that could happen. It allows you to make these great decisions with insulin and with food. And you get to see if things are going right or wrong. So next time you can say to yourself, oh, you know what? Did a unit for that. Went up to 140, kind of sat there. Corrected later with a unit. Maybe next time I'll use two units for that. I don't know, something like that. These are made up numbers, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? You see what happens, cause and effect, and you get to make better decisions next time. The links in the show notes of your podcast player will take you there. The links at juiceboxpodcast.com will take you there, but you can always just type it in. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Gvoglucagon.com forward slash juicebox. And don't forget, he's not a sponsor, but he's doing such a great job on the show today. Chris Dudley. Org. All right, let's get back to Chris and the story about Michael Jordan. Did you like how I let him answer the question? I didn't do a cliffhanger on you. Bet you weren't expecting that. I was fortunate. I, uh, when I was in college, I went down to work jobs at the basketball camps down at uh, UNC where Jordan went and he would play during the summer. So I got to play with him during the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in, uh, obviously my, he's a couple years older than I am, but I was played mostly during his time and had a lot of, uh, when I was in Cleveland, we, we played the Bulls uh, a couple times early in the playoffs. Um, and what Jordan, Jordan to me was, uh, yeah, was and is the best player uh, to play the game. Yeah. My, so my, my son tries to make the point that even the fifth guy on a bad team is incredibly athletic now. And I try to re, like, I try to retell the best I can. I always go to the one story where I tell him I was watching a game one day and, and Michael Jordan turned his ankle completely over. Like his foot went underneath of his leg and it was bent sideways. And you thought for sure he'd never walk again. And he stood up and hobbled, 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 and then ran. And I was like, yeah. I don't understand. Yeah. 
You know, did yeah. you ever see Reggie White's knee hyperextend? And then he leaves the uh, field. It's an amazing video. His knee goes okay. backwards the way it's supposed to go forwards. He leaves the field. Uh, if you're a Philadelphia fan, you think I'm never going to see yeah. Reggie White again. And two plays later, he's back out there playing. And I'm just like, I don't understand how that happens. Like yeah. some people just get amazing gifts, you know, physical gifts like that. So you bring him back right now, 25 years old, drop him in the league. He's the best player in the league. Best player in the league. No kidding. Yeah. So how do you keep up with that when you're like when you're everyone else? What's the plan? It's hard. And, and I, I think the game has changed, but it was a different. I mean, there's some things that are better today. Probably they're, they're definitely the skill level has gone up as far as the outside. There's such a premium on outside shooting. Mm-hmm. That has definitely changed. But the game then was so much more physical. So the counter argument too is could some of the guys today be as successful um, back then? Back then, if they're getting every time they go to the lane, they're someone's they're punching getting, them in the ribs. <laughs> yeah, they're getting. They like to say that they're getting touched. Yeah. <laughs> you know? it's so, it's so, so, oh, that's so funny. You said that. It's just a different deal, and I do think the one, and we've, we've kind of touched on it. One huge advantage you have today. Um, that would have played out for guys back then is, is the nutrition, the strength, the medical, they don't play the same. They take off back to backs. They, they rest more. They, it's just a, right. it was more of a grind, even more of a grind back. Uh, especially in, especially when I first came in the league, than it, than it is today. It's, it's a little bit. And part of it is the dollars that have gone, um, uh, gone into it it, that are in the league i think there was a an article about uh lebron and that he spends i don't know it it was close to a million dollars on something on massage and nutritionists and cook and this and that and and for good reason i mean he's unbelievable yeah he's a freak of nature and he takes he he works at it um and so i think that's changed to an extent uh it's helped it's I guess it's sort of the way people drive a show car. You only take it out on Sundays when it's sunny. You drive yeah. it a little slower. Um, yeah. And you you played in a time where they were like, listen, we're driving you every day until you fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah, you can exactly. leave and someone else will come. But even exactly. the length of your career, was that even uncommon back then? Yeah. No, it's uh, – well, you know, the average – I mean, some guys do it, but the average in the league is three, three years. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of turnover. And if you get past 10, um, uh, yeah, it was definitely uncommon. You're, it'll be interesting today because uh, guys come out earlier, mm-hmm. so they start younger. When I, when I played, there were some players that came direct or, or a couple years in, but even Michael Jordan was a junior when he came into the league, a, a junior in college. Right. Um, so they're younger. Um, so it'll be just, it, it will be interesting to see if they go, if they can go as long mm-hmm. or, or not. Was there a club? Like, did you know Ron Santo and Bobby Clark? <laughs> like, did you, do you know what I mean? Like, did you guys know each yeah. other or those were my heroes, but I really didn't know them. Okay. And, um, so I was well aware I grew up in, uh, I lived in Philly till I was 12. And so I was a big fan of the, uh, the Broad Street, Broad Street Boys, right. the Philadelphia Flyers, won back-to-back Stanley Cups in the 70s. So I was a huge Bobby Clark fan before I got diabetes. And so when I found out he had diabetes, that was huge for me and very 
uh, inspirational. So I grew up in Bucks County, right outside of the Northeast. And, okay. and um, I have to tell you, when I found out Bobby Clark had type 1 diabetes, it was only like 10 years ago. And then you think back to how he played, and I don't even understand. That doesn't even make yeah. any sense, you know? Um, but I guess it was a different time. I don't know. Sam Fold is uh, he's a GM of the Phillies now. But when he was on the podcast, he just told me when I was playing, if you saw me in the outfield chewing gum, I I was low or I thought I was low. And if I was chewing seeds, I thought I was okay. Like that was like the, okay. ex- the extent of what he would do. You know, it's it's really fascinating. Well, I remember when I was a kid hearing that at uh, the Flyers practice, whatever, they'd always have orange juice and like a chocolate bar over on the bench. And that was for him. And uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, it really is. Okay. So how do people find out about the foundation and what do you want from them? You want them to learn about it. You want them to donate to it. You want them to come out to a, to an event. What is it you're trying to do and how are you handling this with COVID? Well, so, uh, uh, Chris Um, you look up the foundation mm-hmm. and, um, and obviously we're nonprofit and would always accept donations, because uh, we're, putting on camp every year with this would last year would have been the 25th. This would be the 26th last year. We held camp, but it was virtual. Um, so, and unfortunately this year we're back doing the same. It's either virtual or we may try to do a couple, uh, uh, I may go to different spots and meet with kids a few different places. Um, we're trying, we're looking into doing that. Uh, but we just couldn't hold camp this year because of, because the COVID, because of the restrictions, yeah. uh, that are in place now. And it just, uh, it, you know, really breaks our heart that we can't do. Can't is the do camp normally indoors or outdoors? Outdoors. So it's, uh, uh, you know, back East, uh, you got the Poconos. Right. Sure. <laughs> so you, the camps up there, it, this is kind of that kind of setting okay. and it's an outdoor with bunk houses, outdoor courts, swimming pool, rolling hills and, you know, volleyball court. And so it's great. It's a great outdoor bunkhouse kind of what, which kind of envision uh, camp. Right. That's amazing. I have more questions if you have time. Yeah, I do. Uh, cool. Uh, so do you have any other autoimmune issues? Thyroid? Celiac, yes. anything uh, like that? I've been on a thyroid. Uh, I take a thyroid. Um, I'm blanking on the name right now, but I take a thyroid pill every morning. Synthroid? Um, and it's been, Synthroid, thank yep, you. No problem. Yep. How long, when were you diagnosed with uh, that? And is it Hashimoto's or is it hypothyroidism? Do you know? Is it autoimmune or is it not? I think it's hypo. I don't think it, I think it's the latter. And okay. I think it's... Uh, I've been on, you know, probably 15 years, I think, maybe more than that. I just know I've been taking this for forever. And it's been with just taking the one pill every morning. I've been, it's been good. So after you got done playing, this happened? You know, that's a great question. I don't even, yeah, I think it was right after I got done playing. I see. Yeah. And do you remember, were you lethargic, hair falling out? Like, do you remember what led you to it or just the blood test Mm -hmm. caught it? It was just a blood test yeah. where they just said you're a little, uh, either a little high or a little low, whatever it was. And right. we recommend this bill. No and, kidding. Uh, um, so that's what I, I have. Other than that, no. We have a number of kids at camp who have celiac mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, different thing. We, we 
we have some diet things that we do at camp for kids. Yeah, there's there's definitely an increased um, uh, occurrence of things like that. Even low vitamin D seems to be really common with people with type one. Uh, it's just it's interesting that I like to ask people, how about in your family line? Any other type one in your line? Yeah, my uncle. So my father's brother had diabetes, he's passed away now, but he had diabetes uh, from a young kid on. So my father, when I had to say, I had the classic symptoms, you know, being incredibly thirsty and then having to go to the bathroom. And um, he caught it earlier than probably normally would have uh, because of my uncle. And I went, went to the drugstore, got the, I think it was called test tape back then. And um, you peed on it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a different world. Now you got a thing on you that's telling your cell phone what your blood sugar is. <laughs> I know it's such a different world. Yeah, it, and and it, it really is something because you lived through and had diabetes through a couple of leaps. You went from one insulin to another kind of insulin. You went from one testing to another kind, and now this. Um, would you? If they told you that they could implant cells in you that would start making insulin again and give you a medication that would stop your body from killing the cells, you would do it or would you not? That's a good question. Um, what are the side effects? Yeah, right. Well, that's the obvious <laughs> first question, but I don't know. I'm just my, my bigger question is, is somebody who's lived for this many decades with type one, are you looking to get rid of it or do you not think about it like that anymore? Um, I'd, I'd loved it for there to be a cure. And I have to say, I'd love there to be a cure, not so much for me, but for the kids and yeah. f- for others, uh, cause I've learned to live with it. And so it's, but yeah, I mean, when my, uh, when, the, you know, technology is great when it works, right. when, when you get a bad, you're in a meeting and a pump goes bad or you, I don't know if you're, what, what device you're on, but if you've gone through the doorway and you've caught your pot on your, you know, wherever, <laughs> or, um, or you're on a plane and all of a sudden it's like bad pot, you know, all that stuff that the, the, and that, I think the toughest part is just the 24 seven of it that you just don't get a break yeah. from it. So yeah, I'd like to be, uh, I certainly would want there to be a cure, but, but, but again, I would rather, you know, kind of tell, I don't think, the kids at my camp, I don't know that they're going to live through their whole life with having diabetes. Like this. I think we're getting closer and closer. It's amazing. I had, uh, there was a gentleman on a couple months ago and there's this drug that right now when you get diagnosed, if they catch you early enough, they put you on this drug and it can hold off the onset for like years. It's fascinating. Yes. You in, know, in fact, I'm involved with a company here up in Oregon that's working on, uh, uh, we, we have tests, a screen, that will show are you at risk of getting are you going to get uh type one type one yeah and if you and and before it used to be and they've been trying to do the screen and this is a much quicker easier test than what's now where you gotta you gotta do it send it back to the lab and wait a couple weeks or whatever get the results before it was and i talked with my wife about this you didn't necessarily want to give the test to your kids when they were young because they're going to get you know take blood and all that but because there was nothing you could do about it. Mm-hmm. Now you can do something about it. Yep. So that's very, very exciting that you can. Uh, Are you talking about trial net? Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. They they were on recently too. There's a lot of people. Oh, were they? Yeah. 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 So trial net and no, it's a much bigger. They're they're 
pits for people to get tested is completely different now than it was even just a couple years ago right. because now you have something that you can actually um, and there was thoughts that you could do certain things, give a little insulin, do certain things to kind of prevent it before. Uh, but now we know concretely that you can postpone it, yeah. which is which is awesome news. It's amazing uh, technology. It's, it's some of this newer stuff is the closest stuff I've seen. It seems like it's um, it uses science that we understand now, and that it feels like it has like an endpoint. It's not just like we're going to try this and see where we get to. It's it's really cool. Um, and but with that, you know, I think it's uh, I, I think we're getting so much closer and closer and closer. But you also don't want to be you still got to deal with the diabetes and you still, you don't want to give newly diagnosed people the feeling that they don't have to take care of themselves because it's going to go away. Yeah. I tell my daughter, look, I live with the hope that somebody will figure this out, but I don't expect it. I guess that's the difference. Like I hope, but I don't expect my daughter's a one C has been in the mid fives for seven years now. She doesn't doesn't have any dietary restrictions. Like we've, like this podcast, we what we usually talk about is how to use insulin in ways that keep you, you know, from spiking and and having problems like that. Um, but that's great. Yeah, it's very cool. But at the same time, uh, I, I like knowing that people are out there working on this stuff. It's interesting. No, I do least. too. And, yeah. and I just throw that caveat not not to be negative, but it's uh, uh, I it, I remember parents telling me, and this is year twenty years ago. Um, or even when I was diagnosed, it was like, well, there's probably going to be a cure in five or 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, and that was, they just, that's whatever. what they said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like, yeah, I think we're getting in word, whether there's going to be a, the magic pill kind of cure with no side effects. And I don't know if they're, or it's just going to be the t- technology just gets better, better, better. And we're on the, uh, uh, closed loop system or whatever it might be. Yeah. It's just getting so much better. My daughter's using an algorithm and I have to tell you that, uh, we were really good at it prior. Uh, and there's things to learn when you're using an algorithm adjustments you have to make, but I have not slept so well as, as I have since she's been on that it to see the algorithm take away basil to stop like a, tr- a drifting low blood sugar is amazing. And it just, unless you really mess up overnight, she doesn't get low overnight. And, uh, what, uh, just, do you mind me asking what kind of, what are you guys using? So, um, do you yeah. use Riley link or anything like that? So she's, what? she's looping right now. Um, okay. yeah. So she loops with, um, an Omnipod, a Dexcom, and we actually use the orange link. It's a new link that came out. That's uh, seems more stable for us, but I'm excited to try Omnipod five because it eliminates the link and it eliminates the need for me to understand how to build an app and keep it on our phone and things like that. And she's going to be heading off to college soon. So I would like it to be more retail, I guess. Um, and Omnipod. How is orange? How is orange different than, uh, uh, the Riley? Yeah. I don't honestly know. I just, her Riley link was busting up because she drops it all the time. And and, (laughs) and I went to buy a new one and I bought the orange one to try it. And I'll just tell you that, I just told somebody this in the podcast the other day, but I am in a two-story house and Arden was in the dining room with my wife at the end of the night. She went upstairs with her phone, but forgot the orange link behind, but her bedroom is above the dining room and we never yeah. knew it kept, it kept the the algorithm running the whole time. So oh, it, that's awesome. yeah, so it's really cool. I mean, and just that somebody made that, that there's a guy somewhere yeah. who's like, I'll do this, you know, yeah. it's really fascinating, I but I am excited to get the Omnipod five. Uh, and give it a whirl and see how it goes. 
But yeah, I think algorithms are the future. And I, I hope everybody who wants one can get one financially. Yes. Right? It's really yes. something. Um, your kids, did you ever test your kids? Uh, yes. And they've, uh, no, no, I mean, no, no, but no diabetes, obviously, and uh, uh, not at risk. Okay. And I guess my last question for you is, because I'm assuming you've been married for a while. Um, uh, is your wife at all? You're smiling like, yes, I have been. Um, is your wife at all involved in your diabetes? Or mm-hmm. would you, and, and to what level? How does that work for you guys? Well, early on, I mean, she was awesome. And she really dove into kind of understanding it. And, uh, uh, you know, what diabetes was and really helping me with diet and uh, diving into that control and making sure I had snack, you know, a big deal. Um, obviously, and especially before uh, we, we've been able to get kind of the tighter control with all the technology we're talking about, but a big deal. And even today is worrying about low blood sugars when you're driving or different things and really making sure she always made sure I was prepared, really helped me with, 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 with my diabetes. Um, and uh, not letting me just uh, not forget about it or ignore it. You know, it's like, because we all go through that emotional, or I think we all go through it. it I know our campers do, but yeah. at times where you just want to like, oh, I just don't want to deal with this. But right. um, uh, so no, she's been awesome. That's cool. absolutely awesome. You know, it's funny, right? About an hour before you and I did this, my daughter's going to school virtually from our house. And I got a notification. So my my Dexcom is set at 70 and 120. So I got this notification. She was going over 120, which we don't usually see. And I walked in and I was like, what's going on? And she goes, oh, my pod ran out of insulin. I forgot to tell you. And it was just yeah. like, like, like a half an hour ago. So she starts drifting up. And that was the thing you were talking about before, I think. Like, even when you're good at it and you've been doing it forever – you almost forget the technology, which is a blessing. But at the same time, you know, you see yeah. new, more newly diagnosed people are like, well, I changed my pump at this time so that it it's ready to be changed yeah. again. At this. Like you don't do that after a while, you know? No. So uh, no. she just shut her camera off and stood up and we swapped her pod real quick and she sat back down and she was on her way again. But yeah. it's a really different world. I don't think that my daughter will ever appreciate how you grew up with diabetes. I don't think she'll have any frame no, of reference for it. No. I, and I, if I think Ron Sand, we talked. You brought up the name Ron Sandoz before. Right. It's amazing to me that he played at a time before test kits. Yeah, it's like how how did you do that? Uh, that's just incredible. And you know, he he somewhere I didn't hear him tell, but I've heard the story told of him going up to bat and having double vision, and you know, he tells the story. Of, of course, he guessed he had to guess which ball to hit, and he hit the right one and hit a home run or whatever. <laughs> but it's just. But the fact that what they dealt with at a, um, people before, um, even before for myself is amazing. And what he went through is incredibly difficult. And even Bobby Clark was much more difficult. And then what I went through was different, but it got, it's gotten better and better and better and better. It's just easier. Yeah. B- uh, baseball does fascinate me too, because it is such a schedule. And when it's, when they're not playing, they're traveling and you hear guys like you know i don't know how far my son's ever going to go but he's he knows guys that play and some of them stop playing because of just like the mental fatigue of it like they just can't mm-hmm. keep up in their heads anymore he, he had a friend that was in the white Sox organization and the guy said first of all i got there and we were all like the exact same athlete he says which is 
really a bummer because you're not better than anybody all of a sudden, you know? And he goes, and then it's just every day and then on a bus. And he's like, it was, it was just hard to keep up, you know? Um, But then like you were saying earlier, then put type one diabetes on top of that. It's a, it's a hell of an accomplishment. It really is, you know, especially, you know, I don't imagine that they see you as, I mean, I don't know, but do you really get seen as a person or are you like a thing that the team owns that they want to work you know what i mean like are you a are you a tool or are you a person and how much yeah, of, how much yeah, of that is your problem and how much of it is theirs right yeah it's interesting yeah. well it's uh I, I do remember once early in my career uh played for uh i was in new jersey and bill fitch was the coach in training camp i was i was struggling um with my control and i mean there were times in training camp where i, I would go with two a days, you're just going so hard where I almost didn't take insulin. And you're just because of how hard you're, what your body's going through. Right. And it was a different deal. They don't do that the same way anymore. Sure. But it was brutal. But I remember I was kind of, maybe I had to sit out and was just having a hard time with it. And he just kind of pulled me aside and said, hey, we pay you a lot of money. You're perfect. And he was a great guy. And he, he right. cared for me. But he said, you, we, you're professional. We pay you a lot of money. Get it under control. Yeah, figure it out. Right. And it was it was a little bit of tough love. And it was, uh, I was like, okay. How old do you um, think you were then? And it did. Uh, I was in Jersey. I was probably 25. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, you know, yeah. I guess, I mean, honestly, do you grow up, this has got nothing to do with diabetes and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but do you emotionally grow up slower when this is your life? Like when you're, doing something like this, it's on a national stage, you're good at it, you're making money. Is there not the need to be mature through your 20s? Um, no, no. But, I mean, I would say, and that's one of the reasons sometimes guys last and they don't last. The guys, you you kind of, you know, you find out quickly. It's a, it's a, it's a job. It's a profession. I mean, it's great. I mean, it's, don't right. get me wrong. I'm playing with the best talent in the world, playing on TV. It's, 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 it's incredible, but it's a job. And the ones you see, and that's why teams always want, they want to have a few veterans around. They want the veterans kind of better together because the veterans are the ones take it. You know, they're the ones putting in the time, the successful, the most successful players. It's usually not, that hard. Obviously, they're incredibly physically gifted, but they're also the ones that put in incredible amounts of time and really treat it as a profession. Right. Um, so to answer your question, yeah, there are some that are immature, especially when they first come in the league yeah. and kind of fall, you know, have money in their pocket and uh, the attention and all that. But the ones that last are, the, are usually turn it into a job. Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. I treat this podcast like a job. I have to be honest. And uh, if I didn't, I mean, it, the, these things would seemingly have nothing to do with each other. But if I didn't treat this like a job, it wouldn't exist the way it does. It would fall apart. Right. It just wouldn't yeah, be able absolutely. to hold on. It's crazy. Uh, is there anything I didn't bring up that you were hoping to talk about? No, I just think with, well, you know, with our foundation, I, yeah, maybe what I'd like to touch on with the foundation and, um, and you asked earlier, and we'd love for people yeah, to go on our go on our website at chrisdudley.org. Um, and with the camp, and the thing I found is that um, that the initial 
thought behind camp was that kids, it'd be awesome to teach kids how to play basketball while having type one diabetes. Mm-hmm. And that, that is awesome. And something we do. And we, we teach them about their diabetes and we teach them about it's basketball camp. So it's a, it's a two in one. It's right. a regular basketball camp that's wrapped into uh, with diabetes, but the real, but some of the real value of camp has been getting to know others who are walking in the same shoes and just how important that is. When I grew up, when I got diagnosed at 16, sophomore in high school, I really don't think I knew anybody with diabetes that, or I didn't have any friends with diabetes for years. I didn't in high school or college, and it can be kind of lonely. I mean, you have friends, but there's certain things you just can't, it's just not the same. And I think that connection uh, that happens there at camp when other kids, now our campers, they stay in touch all year all year long and they, you know, with, through social media, whatever. Right. Um, but I think that's invaluable because so often we have, we have a camp, we have on a, a Thursday night, we have this thing called pass the ball where someone, you go up front and you kind of talk about something um, and you, you hold the ball and pass to the next person who comes up. Uh, but some of the stories people tell you, it breaks your heart. Mm-hmm of just how alone they are, how they're ostracized for having diabetes or, or whatever, it, whatever it may be. And, and you kind of, teen years are, are tough without diabetes, but they can be very tough with diabetes. Yeah. And so I think that's uh, something for us all to just kind of keep in mind. And that's why I, I love that you're doing this, this podcast. And I love that you're kind of having that stretching the, uh, the diabetes community Cause it's, I love talking about it. I mean, it's helpful to kind of yeah. pick your brain, you pick, you know, whatever. I, I think it's so important. So I would say, um, well, thank you for what you're doing. And you know, that's what we're doing with our, our camp as well. I appreciate that. Um, I appreciate that you're doing it. And I'll tell you that when I started this, I really just thought that I was a person who wrote about diabetes and people would tell me that when they read the stuff, they had, you know, better control for the lack of a, you know, a better way of saying it real quickly. And when I made the podcast, I thought that's what the podcast was going to be about. I just thought it was going to be about talking about how to use insulin, how to have better outcomes. But I meet people and interview people who love the show, who, who already understand how to manage their insulin and never Mm. needed the show for that. They needed it to hear another person with diabetes, tell a story, um, or to realize there were other people like them, which is such a, a trite thing to say, but it is incredibly true. Like you need to have a community. And if you can't find it in person, finding it, you know, like this is apparently pretty valuable. And I did not yeah. expect that. So yeah. it is very cool to be able to bring people together. And I'll tell you, we do, I do topics that I don't think most people talk about. There's a woman on here two weeks ago who's got bipolar disorder and diabetes. So girl on here trying to shake heroin addiction and type one, like mm. you said, there's other things that go like there's real people life and then you get diabetes on top of it. So right. we have people right. on all the time talking about difficult stuff and, and it would be your inclination to think, well, you know, don't have a girl on who's done heroin. Like people won't like that, but that's not the truth. The truth is, is that there's a lot of people living a lot of lives and a lot of them have type one diabetes too. So yeah. It's yeah. very. I. That's why I really appreciate you coming on and and sharing all this with me and and uh, I. You know, I just I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Yeah. No, my pleasure. Absolutely. Thank Excellent. you. No, great. Hey, Kelsey, can you jump back on for a second? 
Hello. Hey, Kelsey, I'm still recording because you're a fan of the show. You get to talk for a second so you can hear yourself one day when you're listening to this. <laughs> oh, awesome. Thank you. <laughs> that was pretty much it. Do you have type one as well? I do. Yeah, I've had type one since I was seven years old. Right. And you um, you work with Chris through the foundation? Yes. Yeah, I work full time for the Chris Dudley Foundation and help out with camp every summer and we're looking forward to when we can get back in person. <laughs> That's very cool. I just wanted to and record Kel- Kelsey's got a great story. So Kelsey was a camper. Uh, Kelsey, what age did you come at? 10. First, 10. So long time, life for a camper. And then Kelsey met her husband, who also has type 1, at camp. Kelsey, you met your husband at Chris's camp? <laughs> I did, yeah. He uh, came as a basketball coach, and I was working there, and we got married last May. Chris, did that mean you had to pay for the wedding? I don't understand. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> well, if I did, I got off because it was, uh, it was a nice <laughs> wedding. It was a very COVID wedding. <laughs> no, a COVID wedding. Oh, yeah. no kidding. Oh, so you just got, how old are you now, Kelsey? I am 20. I will be 29 in about a week. Wow. Good for you. Are you thinking of having little children? Yep. Someday. <laughs> Do you, did you, um, Align with what Chris was saying earlier about some people don't want to know and some people want to know. Do you think you would test your kids? Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's definitely something I kind of go back and forth on because like you guys were saying it, you know, nowadays there's the technology so that if you do know, there's stuff you can do about it. Right. I think when I was younger and I would hear people talk about it, I'd be like, well, why would you do that? Then they just have to sit there and wait for it to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. But now there's so much technology that I think it would be interesting to see especially with both parents having type one well kelsey i think and you might have heard them already but the pro tip series might help when you decide to be pregnant one day and i don't know if you've heard the i had samantha on so chris i mm-hmm. uh, this girl came on with type one who uh i interviewed her in her first second third trimester and then i interviewed her postpartum as well and mm-hmm. and just so she could talk about what it was like to be pregnant with type one and i i hear from a lot of women that it's helpful so I'm not that's rushing awesome. you, Kelsey, but you are 29, so let's get to it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. I have friends as well that I think would really enjoy that. That's so. very cool. Well, I appreciate you. I know Kelsey reached out, and Chris, she found me for you, uh, so I'm really grateful for her, and I just wanted to awesome. say hi to her. All right, guys. I hope you guys have a great day. Thank you so much. All right. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Take care. Bye. All right. Take care. Take care. Well, I'd like to thank Chris from the Chris Dudley Foundation, chrisdudley.org. I want to thank Dexcom for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Also, a huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G. ON.com forward slash juice box. Hey, this is going to be like months from now, but I also recorded with Kelsey from the end of the episode. She was really great. Um, I don't know when you're going to hear that, but I enjoyed talking to her very much, in fact. And I think you'll uh, enjoy hearing from her. Anyway, if you're looking for a great basketball camp and you're out in the greater Northwest, definitely check out, definitely check out, check out. 
definitely check out chrisdudley.org to learn more about the Chris Dudley Foundation. And I'm leaving all that check out stuff in there because I got to be honest with you, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I get on a roll and I'm like, wow, I can't believe I got all that out without messing up. And sometimes I say check out instead of check out or check out instead of check out or whatever. I'm a little tired. It's late at night here. I'll talk to you guys soon. I really appreciate you listening, sharing the show. Last week, the show hit a million downloads just for 2021. So in 2021, we were at a million already. That was crazy. The show in total should hit 4 million any any time now. I don't know if I've got a celebration planned around that or not. I'm not really sure what I could do. But I can tell you this, it's because of you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for listening. Thank you for telling your doctors. Doctors, thank you for telling your patients. I can't thank all of you enough. This show would not grow without the fervent support of the listeners. And I know that. I I wish I could say thank you a thousand times. I'll talk to you soon.